an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and I've got Bob Savage here with me. That's right, broadcasting from the Radio Canoe. Here, I have my paddle and... Yeah, I think we're going to need it. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of rain coming down right now. So, uh, I, you know what I do have um I, I've got one of those little robot mowers. Have you ever seen one of those before, Bob? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it just it cuts the grass even in the rain. It's it's the coolest thing. So, this morning I woke up, I was I was looking out there all the rain, but there he was. He was still trimming away, cutting the grass. So, you don't have that big a lawn. Uh no, actually I I've got about the fenced in portion is about uh, a little over half an acre. Wow, and you do that uh, all with an automatic mower, huh? Oh yeah, yep, yep. It, the one I've got can do up to three quarters of an acre. They've they've got bigger ones that can do I think up to two or three acres. But they're they're pretty cool. I I like them. Um, definitely frees up a couple hours a week for me for sure, especially when it's uh, weather like. How this. long does it take it to do it? Um, you know, it just shaves millimeters off all day, every day. So oh, it, so it, runs, it doesn't like... runs every day. I see. Yep, yep. Just runs every day, shaves off millimeter by millimeter. So there's no clumps of grass. It all just kind of falls in and composts into itself. Um, just kind of keeps it the same length all uh, all season long. Do you have any pro- Do you have any concerns about somebody coming along and like snatching it? So it does have like built-in GPS and cell- cellular and some security features. So if somebody stole it uh, and it like left the yard, it would lock itself and uh, like report its location and stuff like that. It basically become worthless. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool though. I enjoy it. So today is Monday. Thank you guys for joining us here on Radio Free New York. Today is day seventy-two of quarantine. Holy crap! It is it is getting. Uh, it's been a long time. It's uh, definitely really heating up. There's more and more people out there protesting. And I do have today's numbers for you guys um, and, and some interesting stuff that we're going to talk about today. So today being day 72, New York State now has more than 335,000 confirmed tested cases. Uh, that's up 20,000 from last week so basically 20,000 new cases because of testing this is be, yep because of testing however the week before that there were 30,000 new cases and the week before that there were 40,000 new cases so i think we've hit the point where the increased testing um isn't making a difference anymore and we're seeing a progressively smaller set of new cases week by week for the last three weeks it's been down 10,000 cases a week um, 
theoretically in two weeks there wouldn't be more new cases if it keeps on that trajectory um of course we know that doesn't work that way and it probably will change on us um but if that happens i mean if next week we only have ten thousand new cases that that means the cases are now cut in half from this week well, we know that that's the trajectory of uh, of viruses. This is this is the lifespan of viruses. What happens is you have this big initial spike because, of course, there's no immunity, uh, and it's complete. It's a novel. That's what the mean meaning of novel uh, coronavirus is. It's a brand new strain, and our bodies have not enco- you know encountered that yet. So then everybody gets really sick, acutely sick, and the ones who are susceptible. The people who have, you know, we've heard the litany, the older folks, the folks with COPD, compromised immune systems, pulmonary problems, they're the ones who succumb first, and there's big, scary numbers. Then it uh, disseminates through the general population, and a lot of people get sick. And then after that, the natural immunity starts to kick in, the virus becomes less virulent, the more it's exposed to human beings, and it tapers off. Every case of the flu behaves like this. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And so, um, you know, seeing that, that, that's pretty good news. I mean, that looks like that we may be in the tail end of this. We'll see what happens um, as things open up. However, what I found really interesting is that while the new infection rates have been going down, the death rate has continued to climb. So about three weeks ago, we were at um, two, just under 2,000 deaths, I think it was. Two weeks ago, 24 this week, a little bit higher, 2.5 thousand deaths. Um, my gut I'm sorry, 2.5 2, 2. per thousand? No, no, no. Um, like 2,500. 2,500 deaths for the state. In the state. Okay. Yep. yep. Well, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what this tells me is we're, we're seeing death rates from people who were infected at that higher time about three weeks ago. At least that's that's my gut. That's that's why I'm thinking is the reason the the rate of new infections is going down, but the death rate is still going up. I think it's because, you know, people don't get infected and then die the next day. In fact, most people don't die at all. Most people don't have to do anything. They just get better. Um, But I think what we're seeing is the death rate increasing a little bit just because three weeks ago, I think we're probably in the height of infection. Um, And I believe probably in a week if not sooner, you know, we're probably going to see that toll start uh, trickling down. And of course, and and I'm sure Bob wants to bring this up, there's been a lot of question in terms of the recording of these deaths and whether or not they're really associated with coronavirus or not. Well, that's true, but uh, there's actually a more fundamental reason for it than that. And that is last week they found 1,700 dead people in nursing homes, or at least they claim to have found 1,700. I mean, uh, I, I think my belief is that they were suppressing those numbers. But those got added to the death toll, so that that was a huge factor in any upturn in the death rate last week. Yeah, yeah, no, and actually we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about um, how New York State is forcing nursing homes to take COVID-19 positive patients um, 
and and they're telling them they can't be turned away. There, well, there's, there's, there's one that, exception to that. Yeah, wait a minute. That's and, that's been reversed though, Andrew. Uh, 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 Cuomo came out with an order this weekend. Now he's saying, no, no, nursing homes. If you've got sick people, you are not to accept them. You know, as if as if he had nothing to do with the fact that the nursing homes have had all these cases imposed upon them. The nursing homes, by the way, for the last month have been begging the Cuomo administration, please don't make us take these people. We're not equipped to handle them. Then all of a sudden, he just reversed uh, his order this weekend, and now well, and, and now he's putting he it on the nursing again home. on us, Bob. Because yesterday, what he's he's oh yeah yeah I just finished watching yesterday's he's he's flip flopping all over the place on this. Um, so now, well, we'll we'll talk about this a, l- a little more in depth in the next um, thing because I've got a whole thing on it. But yeah, he's he's going back and forth on this, and it is not good. Uh, for the nursing homes, the people in there, and and I think it actually brings up some serious ethical questions. So we'll we'll definitely uh, aye, hit aye, this. Aye. Yeah, he's uh, he's all over the place. I think. Um, so if we look at the U.S. based numbers, we are now at 1.36 million cases. We're up 170,000 cases, 80,000 deaths. Um, so that is up about 12,000 from the last week. Um, and then worldwide, 4.12 million cases. And the interesting thing about this number is the cases are actually up significantly more than they were the last few weeks. Um, last week, I believe it was 300,000. The week before that, it was 500,000. So this jump of an extra 800,000 cases kind of throws a little blip in the chart. Um I'm not sure what may or may not have caused that. Maybe people are just better at reporting. There's more testing going on. Not really sure. Um, but it's kind of an oddball number compared to the last few weeks. And, uh, y- you know, just just for perspective, you know, that 4 million number, on March 3rd, there were 90,000 cases worldwide. So we've, we've certainly hit um, a big number very quickly. But there is some good news. That good news is yesterday, New York State had only 521 new confirmed cases, which is the same number that we had March 20th. So definitely on the downturn here, guys. Uh, You are listening to Radio Free New York. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. And I, I think we're going to pick up the discussion where we left off. Let's let's talk about these nursing homes because there, there's something important here that I think we need to talk about. Um, first being that the state was telling nursing homes um and, and at least based on governor cuomo's clarification yesterday is telling nursing homes they have to have or they have to accept covid-19 patients patients that have tested positive for covid-19 who don't currently have the antibody um and the first question i want to put out there and ask before we get into the nitty gritty uh, details on this is that you know, he does have one exception, but my question is Cuomo's gotten up day after day and said, if you're upset, if you have a problem uh, and you need somebody to blame, 
blame me. Okay. And he said that I'm good with that. multiple times. Um, but now, at least yesterday, uh, when asked about this policy that was uh, put in place that doesn't allow nursing homes to um, turn away patients who test positive for COVID-19, he was asked by a reporter, um, I, I think the guy's name is Jesse, and I, I don't know if you know, Bob, uh, where, which you know news outlet Jesse's from, but Jesse had some pretty good questions. Um, and, and Jesse asked him, was this policy flawed? Um, do you, do you think this was the wrong decision? And Cuomo said, no, it wasn't flawed. Um, but, uh, I, I think there's a lot of negative, uh, repercussions going on for this. Um, and Bob, I know you had some stuff, so why don't I let you go ahead, go first, and then I'll, I'll kind of fill in, uh, any extra. Well, you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a completely confused picture right now. This is what we have for the New York Post. We know that the, the Governor Cuomo, because he got withering criticism last week, 5,300 people dead in nursing homes uh, as a result of an order that he had put out. And this is, this is from the Post. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo finally admitted, tacitly and partially anyway, the mistake that was State Health Chief Howard Zucker's order, nursing homes must admit coronavirus-positive patients. On Sunday, Cuomo announced a new regulation. This is yesterday. Such patients must now test negative for the virus before hospitals can return them to, nur- to nursing homes. Yet the gov- governor also admitted that COVID-19 cases might still go to the facilities via other routes and didn't explicitly overrule Zucker's March 25th mandate that homes must accept people despite their testing status, indeed could not even require a a test pre-admission. So the governor's people say that a home that simply can't accommodate coronavirus patients never had to take them, though they're obliged to help those people find a place that will, with help available from the state if needed. So Zucker's mandate was never more than a don't discriminate rule, that according to the governor. But Zucker presented it as must accept. And Cuomo's remarks regularly implied there must be something wrong with a home that couldn't handle corona patients. So while the Gov's people imply that some homes simply misunderstood the rules, the real message to operators was declaring themselves overwhelmed would put their licenses at risk. And now, to further muddy the waters, Andrew, uh, the governor said yesterday that if you do accept positive coronavirus uh, patients, that you'll lose your license. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you can figure this out. Uh, I sure can. Yeah, so, and I, I went and I listened through, um, you know, his, his entire thing. And, and it's definitely uh, really shift safety. <laughs> I would yeah, say. Yeah, really. Um, so the way I understand it, based on what the governor said, is that the state is considering if you are a nursing home facility or a long-term care facility and somebody comes to you and says, I want to be a patient or I want to put my mother here or I want my father here or whomever, um, and that person is positive for COVID-19, they cannot deny that patient access to their facility. They have to accept them with one exception. The exception is if that facility does not have the staff, PPE, and a separate area where they can quarantine that patient. If, if they can't meet those three requirements, then they have to call the Department of Health, and the Department of Health has to place that patient elsewhere. But the tricky, um, the tricky part is, in so doing, you could be jeopardizing your license. 
Exactly. And and that's the thing. And in that article that you read is totally right because Cuomo's basically gone on the offensive with this and made it sound like, well, if your facility can't accommodate these patients, um, and he didn't say this specifically, but this is kind of the vibe that you get off of his language, um, is, well, what type of facility are you? You you can't take these patients. You don't have the PPE. You don't have the staff. You don't have this and that. Um, you, you know, and, and is really kind of setting it up so that the general population um, sh- in feels mistrusting of these facilities because they can't handle the patients. So it's it's really putting them in a situation where I think that the governor's language, his body language, his words, the way he's choosing to handle this um, is really pressuring these facilities to feel like if they do not accept these patients, um, A, they have to if if they're already set for it, but if they're not set up for it, if they don't have a separate quarantine area, if they don't have the PPE needed, if they don't have extra staff on hand, one of the rules is if you're staff and you work with COVID-19 patients, you cannot work with any of the other nursing home patients, which means some of these facilities need dedicated staff for two separate sections of their nursing home. And, and I just wanna go out here and say that that's probably the right thing anyways. You know, that that's probably the right thing anyways. The question is whether or not many of these facilities um, are capable of hiring that much staff. Do they have the facility space to accommodate, you know, a quarantined area of their facility? Um, and my guess is, based on some of the articles I've read with interviews from people in these facilities, they're not set up for that. They don't have the funds for that. They don't have the staff for that. Um, they they just don't have that ability. So now they're being pressured by the government, um, and and they're they're in this like really hard space. And I think the question that that needs to be asked is is obviously the driver for the policy. And the driver, as stated by the governor, is that this is anti discrimination. And they're they're saying that the reason that they are doing this is to prevent people from being discriminated against for having COVID-19. And so their kind of workaround, if you will, that the governor put together is, well, if somebody goes to the hospital, they need to be tested for COVID-19 before they come back to the nursing home, before the hospital lets them go. That that doesn't actually change anything for the long-term care facilities. That just means if one of their patients goes to the hospital, and it might not be COVID-19 related at all, um, it may just be, uh, I don't know, I, probably not hip surgery, that's probably not essential, but, but it could be something totally unrelated. That patient now can't come back to the nursing home until they test po- or until they are no longer positive for coronavirus. However, what about every other patient? And, and I think that that's the big deal here is they're being forced to accept COVID-19 patients and they may or may not have the ability to take care of it. So the question I think becomes, um, if, if this policy is causing people to die, I think we need to, to sit here and really evaluate because Cuomo and state government as a whole has been sitting here and saying, we're here to protect lives. We're protecting every life. That's why we're shutting down the entire economy here or the majority of it. 
um, to protect lives, yet there's a government executive order in place that might actually be causing more deaths than necessary. Well, I think and it's uh, pointing. I think it okay. points points out the danger inherent in this top down kind of approach, because again, back to this post article, the chief of one facility not only had his request for PPE denied, he got turned down cold when he then asked to transfer patients. Then he had Zucker's Department of Health issuing other heartless orders. Remember the "don't even try to resuscitate" mandate to EMTs for cardiac arrest cases. And then, uh, as well, the department apparently told staffers at least one home it was okay to keep staff people on the job after they tested positive. So, you know, I mean, this is what happens. This is the way the communist countries work. You have incompetence that gets passed down from the top down through uh, uh, down to the local level where judgment should be able to be exercised. Yeah, and I, I think that's just it. I mean, we're we're taking away um, discretion from these long-term care facilities. And, we're, you know, a couple of questions I have. The first is, are these facilities allowed to say that they're not accepting new patients? I, I don't know if that's an option for them or not. Um, and also, why should they have to be put in that spot? So if that is a loophole where they say, no, we're just not accepting new patients, they're essentially turning away business now um, to try to keep the patients that they have alive and safe. Um, I, I think that's a bad spot for the government to put any industry in. Um, the next question is, is this really discrimination or not? You know, this idea that if you are ill with a potentially deadly illness that could kill the other people that you're living with is it truly discrimination to say hey we'd like you to get better before you come here guys uh, I've, I've got even more questions about this we're going to talk about all this and more we're going to take a break and uh, we'll be back here in a moment on Radio Free New York Listening to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. And I do have some questions about this policy, this executive order that says long term care facilities have to accept patients who are currently positive with COVID 19, also known as the coronavirus. Um, the question is, is that truly discrimination if these facilities don't want to accept these patients? And, and what I'm saying is in terms of facilities that maybe they do have the space in their facility to create a quarantine zone, maybe they do have um, the ability to hire on additional separate staff to care for these patients, um, and maybe they have the right amount of PPE. Um, is is that discrimination? Is it terrible of them to not want these patients? Or is it maybe responsible of them? Um, what are your thoughts, Bob? Well, it's, again, I think we isolated that in the last segment. It's got to be a case-by-case basis. You're going to have bad actors. 
you know, obviously you're going to have irresponsibly run facilities. Then you're going to have people who uh, just don't have the facilities, the expertise. There's a lot of pressure on these nursing homes. Every personnel uh, now has to be tested every 12 hours. Just that in itself is a is an onerous burden uh, to you know for the record keeping and everything else. And the, the the problem here is is that the approach that's being taken by the Cuomo administration is punitive. The governor's ordered an investigation now, and that is obviously supposed to pin the blame on nursing and adult care facilities because you know Cuomo's taken a lot of heat this last week because the, you can make the argument that this idiotic order. Uh, of uh, of March has sentenced 5,300 seniors in nursing facilities in New York State to death, while the, the nursing homes have been begging the state to say, no, 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 don't make us take these people because we're not equipped to do that. And really the approach of Tish James, who is the attorney general, who is basically Cuomo's lapdog, uh, is only looking at what homes did wrong. That's the only thing that they're interested in doing. So look, there's going to be there's going to be problems, obviously, but we we have to have less of an authoritarian approach, and and you see that in in Cuomo's pronouncements today that that's continuing. That you know, if you now if you accept uh, COVID positive patients, nursing homes, you will lose your license. That is the flat statement made by the governor. Yeah, and it, you know, if if it does come out later. And, you know, we're talking months, maybe even years down the road here, um, that that policy caused those 5,300 deaths. I I tell you what, that's that's a little bit over 25% of the death toll that could be attributed to this policy. So we're not talking small numbers here. We're talking about a quarter of the deaths, um, more than that. So so this this is something that... I think, you know, when government's just gone too far, <laughs> you know, it's just now like would, every day. Yeah, now would be the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and and I, the media really perpetuates this too. You know, this idea that making safe decisions could be discrimination. I think we need to maybe reassess a little bit. And I'm not saying that discrimination doesn't exist. That's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm not making light of it. I'm not suggesting that medical discrimination doesn't exist and that people um, don't get discriminated against because of, you know, a medical condition they have. These things absolutely happen. But I think there's a very big difference that we need to look at. And the difference is when you make a decision that impacts somebody's life and health based on somebody else's medical condition. I, and I, it's, it's really simple. You know, people don't bring peanuts into a home of somebody who has a peanut allergy. They might die. That's not discrimination against peanuts. That's realizing that somebody could die and, and you just don't do it. This idea that you would have to accept COVID-19 patients, and that if you don't, it's discrimination, um, I, I look at it as the same thing. That's not discrimination. That's sitting there assessing um, the danger to somebody's life, and it doesn't have to be life-threatening even. It could just be health. It, it could be as simple as saying, um, this is a health risk. We shouldn't do this, and the state shouldn't be pushing this on us. Um 
Now, of course, the I think the follow-up question to that is if if that became acceptable, this idea that you could actually assess a danger, you know, to patients and determine who to accept and who not to accept based on that danger, um, does that open the door for other types of discrimination? You know, I and I think that that's that's the question is you know policies. Um, come in with good intent, but then there's unintended consequences. And if we could turn around on the government and say, hey, no, you need to allow these facilities to make appropriate judgment calls based on the health and well-being of their patients, would that open the door um, for other discrimination? And to be honest, the answer is maybe, but I think we're in a situation here where it's pretty clearly known that elderly people or older people are at higher risk um, and their risk of death is significantly higher than somebody who is younger just because younger people typically don't have as many underlying conditions. Um, and in a nursing home, you're living in close proximity to people. So I, I think that an argument can be made here that saying that you don't want COVID-19 positive patients in your nursing home has absolutely nothing to do with discrimination, um, but has everything to do with just good stewardship of your patients um, and protecting human life. Yeah, it's I, a and public health policy is what it, what it amounts to. And it, so just following this thread back, Andrew, to what was the origin of this order anyway? What was going on? Well, what was going on was we had a, uh, a, a governor who is extremely politically ambitious, who panicked. He was believing all the smart guys in the room, we're going back to March now, who told him, oh, my gosh, what's the, what the, the cause of the huge death toll in Italy was the health system was overwhelmed. The hospitals couldn't handle the volume of patients. So what we have to do is, at all costs, we have to make sure that the, that the hospitals uh, have enough beds, they have enough capacity, they have enough ventilators. That, that's, that's why he demanded whatever it was, 40,000 ventilators, which was, turned out to be ridiculous. Uh, and so he was panicking. Cuomo was a panicky guy. And he, so he panicked. So that's why he wanted to offload these, these uh, corona uh, patients onto nursing homes, because he had to have his hospital beds. Well, it turned out not to be necessary. But now you've got this inflexible guy, the guy who won't take down the, you know, the illegal uh, tourism signs that violated federal regulations. He wouldn't take them down because he becomes obstinate and starts saying, no, no, because if I admit I'm wrong, I look weak. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. That's why, the, that's why, you know, the reversals of policy that you and I have talked about on this show, he keeps on trying, he keeps on trying to manipulate the situation to make it look like it's, the, it's irresponsible, incompetent nursing home operators. When in actuality, it's top-down, dumb, inflexible policy being imposed on the health system by the governor. Yeah, and, and to that point, I mean, I just looked up the numbers. Italy has a less cases per million people than the United States does. So Because you know, of New York. The, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah because well, of New, New York. York's leading the numbers easy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, New York State has... Oh, not not quite the number of deaths yet. So New York State's got over 21,000 deaths. The whole country in Italy 
uh, has 30,000. So just, just to kind of put that in perspective here, um, and they have more confirmed cases than we do, I think. No, actually, they have less confirmed cases than we do. So, yeah, I, I mean, the reality is government has been wrong every step of the way with the numbers, with the modeling, um, with, with the majority of the approach. There's some things that government said or suggested that I actually agree with, uh, believe it or not. But for the most part, they've been wrong on almost everything. Why would we trust them now? Guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Gonna change the topic here to uh, whether or not New York State is staying closed down till June sixth, um, and I, I'm talking about this because there's been a lot of confusion about it, and I'll say in short, no, but maybe yes. <laughs> so uh, because that's that's kind of the information we're getting from the state right now. And I know some people might feel a little differently about this, but I actually feel that the communication from state government has been pretty awful. And some people will say, what, what do you mean? Cuomo's been up every single day talking about things, um, letting us know. And, and the answer is that that's true. He, he's up there. He's talking. Um, but to be honest, he's he's telling a lot of stories, you know, family memories, um, analogies, and personally, I, I'm finding it kind of hard to sit through, you know, his his hour long life stories to catch about five to ten minutes of actual details as to what's going on with the state. And um, the executive orders, the way they're pushing him out, the way they're signing them, uh, can leave people pretty confused, uh, including the media. Whereas, and that's why a lot of media outlets over the weekend reported that the state will be entirely shut down till June sixth, um, and the Cuomo team has now had to kind of scramble and uh, readjust what's being put out there because, simply put, it wasn't clear. Well, um, oh, go ahead. yeah, and then you, then you also have the phenomenon that uh, uh, where you have these these pronouncements that come out. We have no idea what the basis of of them is for example now what they've done is they've taken they've taken factors that are completely beyond the control of the population okay and uh they um they've imposed this as a precondition to reopening the economy in your region so for example now the mantra that we're hearing over and over again is testing and tracking testing and tracking testing and tracking well, what's, what is that designed to do? What, what is the purpose of testing and, and tracking? Because if I test po- negative today, I could test positive in 48 hours. So what, wh- how is that information useful? And then you're tracing all the contacts that a positive person has had. What is the state going to do with that information? I see potential for, you know, for invasion of privacy, uh, for mishandling of information, We've already seen that the state can't, you know, can't safeguard the, uh, the the credit information of people, and so and we have no control over the outcome of these of these tests. So why does the economic 
well-being of the of the region have to have to hinge on this. Yeah, no, I I agree, and um, especially in terms of if you test somebody today, they could catch it tomorrow. And this idea that tracing is going to be the savior of the situation, to be honest, maybe tracing helps. It may. Um, but at, at what cost? You know, how how are we doing this tracing? Is that going to turn into um, some sort of executive order that we know or don't know about that says Verizon, AT&T, Cricket, T-Mobile, Sprint, and all those other carriers have to provide um, all of our cell phone data? and all of our location data and and the location data and cell phone data of any other phones that have been in the proximity of our phones during the time that they think that we're infected. I mean, to me, that, that seems not only plausible, um, but extremely dangerous. And I think that these are things that we need to, you know, sit here, consider, um, as Cuomo is now kind of dangling this above people's head, um, as a way that we can reopen, you know, pushing people to the point where they're very desperate to have society come back together, to have the economy come back together, and then, you know, kind of dangle some potential rights over your head. Well, you know, if you trade these rights in, maybe we can open the economy. Um, so so I'm, I'm pretty wary of this. I do actually have the seven requirements that Cuomo has put forth for regions to reopen. So just to kind of give everybody um, a brief recap as to what reopening is supposed to look like, essentially um, it's going to be region by region. They've got the Finger Lakes region, Western New York, Capital District, you know, all, all the regions. Right there, by the way, um, those are the economic development regions, and they're dumb. What does the Finger Lake? What does the Finger Lake region, uh, which is you know wineries and uh, uh, lightly populated rural areas, what does that have in common with Rochester? Why are they part of the same region? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking Finger Lakes. They were thinking wine country, but to that point, I mean Rochester doesn't have any wineries or vineyards that I'm aware of. There's one in Fairport. There's Casa Larga in in, in Fairport. But the, the the point being that that's an urban setting. And its its economic makeup is completely different from the Finger Lakes. Yeah, no, I I agree, I agree. I uh, I couldn't tell you why they put that one together, um, but so so the idea is region by region. If you meet this criteria, you will have the opportunity um, to then reopen at, at kind of on this limited schedule. Um, so I, I'm gonna give those to you guys, but before I do. You guys got to go over to my Facebook page, you know, search Andrew C. Hollister on Facebook, go to the page and check out the picture I screenshotted of the look on Cuomo's face when he, um, during his press conference yesterday, he had his mom on live with him to wish her a happy Mother's Day. And she tells him that his sister is over there with all the grandchildren. After he got done telling people how you can't go see mom for Mother's Day, uh, you got to social distance, all all this other stuff. And then his mom says, oh, yeah, I'm here with, you you know, your sister and all the grandchildren and this and that. The look on this face, absolutely priceless. You got to check out the picture. Um, I, I just want to share that with you guys. I, I watched it maybe three, four times. It, it was great. Yeah, we got uh, one, uh, set, one set of rules for us, one set of rules for the ruling elites. We know, we know that his brother... Of course, uh, took off to their uh, pricey house in the Hamptons when he was supposed to be in quarantine. We've heard all yeah. heard that story. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let me really quickly uh, give you these these seven requirements for reopening. 
you have to have a 14-day decline in new hospitalizations or under 15 new hospitalizations for a rolling three days, a 14-day decline in hospital deaths or fewer than five deaths per day with a three-day average, new hospitalizations need to be under two per 100,000 residents on a three-day rolling average, um, then you need to have at least 30% of hospital beds available, 30% of ICU beds available, 30 per 1,000 residents tested monthly, measured on a seven-day average. We're going to come back to this if we have time. Um, and then at least 30 contact tracers per 100 thousand residents and i've gotten parentheses some things i can't say over air um, <laughs> because i get in trouble for saying them um but but this is just i mean what what is how are they going to i don't even know where to start you know 30 tests per per 1000 residents tested monthly measured on a seven day average i mean so i just think about uh monroe county what are we a population of a million and we're not the only ones in um, in this region, so seven hundred seventy-five thousand. Yeah, yeah. So who's going to pay for all these tests? Is this we the people? Oh, we you, are. You know, right out of our pockets, yeah. or just you know through the other money they steal from us? Well, go- government has no money, so of course it's all going to come from us. But what's the purpose of it? What 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 are you going to do with this information? Look, uh, as a result of the responsible behavior of citizens. The infection rate's dropping. Yeah, so so at at, at what point are we going to be testing people needlessly? Now? I, I think it's coming pretty soon, if not yeah, if not right now. And then this whole idea of 30 contact tracers per 100,000 residents, I don't even know what that means. Does they that mean- they have their little they have the Okay, so you uh you go and you test positive, okay? So now what they want to do is they want they they want to contact. They want to have a little little government snitch guy uh contact everybody that you've been around for some within some period of time. So my question is though, what if you don't even have that many cases? I mean, Monroe County total I think has 200 cases or something like that. It, it, that was at the height so we're we're supposed to have three hundred of these just in our county. We don't even have that many patients. So I, I I'm kind of at loss here, and maybe somebody can explain it to me. Maybe my confusion is unnecessary and unwarranted, and I'm I'm happy to accept that if that's the case. Um, but this just it, it seems a little weird to me. Some of this other stuff makes sense, you know, decline in hospitalizations, decline in deaths, having beds available. Um, that stuff makes sense to me. These last two items seem like we're going to lose some rights and make government bigger. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. Mm-hmm.